archaeologically investigated the famous landmark. By this time, I had over 15 years' experience as an archaeologist on digs around the world, from beachfront campsites in Barbados to desert villages in Jordan, from Cold War bunkers in the UK to remote islands off the west coast of Australia. It was an unbelievable honour to be trusted with the dig, and even though I'd been directing excavations for almost ten years, this one was a daunting task. This excavation was the culmination of my career to this point. After all, who gets to dig into a legend? I certainly didn't see that in my future when I first became interested in archaeology. Mind you, I was quite young. I was seven when a dead monk called Alphonse pointed my career path out to me. It was during the summer of 1977, the 10th of July to be precise, about 11 o'clock in the morning. Up to this point, the British summer had run to script and had therefore been dreadfully disappointing. The previous year, the fabled summer of 76, was the hottest since records began for our typically mild, damp islands. For 15 consecutive days between the 23rd of June and the 7th of July, the thermometer had topped 32 degrees Celsius, and my hazy recollection is one of a golden time, not least because it was the last summer that the whole family would be together. Debbie, my older sister, headed to university in the autumn of that year to study archaeology. The summer of 77, however, was cool and dull. The chart music, avidly followed in the Ford household, was, with the exception of Donna Summers' I Feel Love, just terrible, and I was bored. Bored, 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 bored. I'm seven years younger than my nearest sibling, Matt, and eleven and twelve years younger than my eldest brother, Mark, and sister, Debbie, respectively. That meant in 1977 I played a lot of toy soldiers in the backyard while the others explored the worlds of dates, pubs and punk rock. When my parents announced that they were taking me to visit Debbie on an archaeological dig, I was in the back seat of the Ford Zephyr before they had finished cutting the sandwiches. Sandwiches were a must on any Ford family road trip, no matter how short. Usually corned beef, from the can that opened with a key and was designed to inflict nasty gashes on anyone within a couple of feet of it, and Branston pickle, or cheese and marmite. A British spread, saltier than Lot after he decided to have one last look over his shoulder at home, and with the consistency of rotar, but totally delicious. Always accompanied by a tartan thermos of steaming hot tea. Mum and Dad, bless them, had taken Debbie's unusual and last-minute degree choice in their stride. A little more than a year before, she had been heading to medical school, but a change of heart meant that we found her six feet down a muddy, occupied grave in the grounds of Litchfield Cathedral, wearing a pair of oversized grey dungarees and a very big smile. By and large, archaeologists aren't a particularly intimidating bunch of people, but this was the 70s, and I remember a bewildering amount of hair and lurid, chunky knitwear floating about the site. 
Awkward and shy was my usual modus operandi around adults, with or without lots of hair. And so, after a blushing introduction to Debbie's muddy friends, I scampered off. My parents picked their way across the site, trailing behind the tousled head of Martin Carver, the site director and prominent British archaeologist, while he expounded on medieval monastic life. I really hadn't the foggiest what was going on, or what my sister was doing. She had left for university as a straight-A student with pigtails and a backpack to return only a few months later wearing black makeup and a safety pin through her ear, listening to bands called The Slits and Sham 69 and saying bog off all the time. And now she was digging holes in the ground and finding skeletons. To a young lad like me, her whole transformation was unnerving but darkly thrilling.